the title of the message is Longing for God's Presence. And I want to read out of Psalm 84, and we're going to use this basically as the base of, of, of the message today. It's just Psalm 84, and, and we're going to go back to it a couple of times from different perspectives and see just what God has to say to us through it. So, reading out of the ESV, it says in, in chapter 1, I mean verse 1, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. Such an incredibly powerful statement of seeking the presence of God. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at the altars of the Lord of hosts. That psalm where it says that all of creation praises the Lord. And here it says, even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at the altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. So in His presence... There's just this home that she finds. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. And then Selah, pause. Just take a moment. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. So it starts off the first little passage. Part of this thing is, how lovely is your dwelling place? And it ends off with, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are the highways to Zion. They go through the valley of Baca. Now, Baca is the valley of weeping. So they go through the valley of weeping. They make it a place of springs. So there's a transformation that happens from a, a valley of weeping to a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Pause. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For, the, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Last week we were reading out of Matthew where it says there, Ask and you shall find. And no, if an earthly father who is evil can give good gifts, how much more can a heavenly father? And I just love how it ends off by saying, No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And for me, if we walk uprightly, we've got to be walking in the righteousness of Christ. I know this is an Old Testament uh, psalm, but from, from a New Testament perspective, it's the righteousness of Christ that gives us the ability to walk uprightly. And no good thing does he hold from those who have relationship and fellowship with him. It ends off by saying, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And, and this is for me, once we realize that God does not withhold anything good from those who walk uprightly, it is easy for us to trust in Him. And it's not because we, we go into the presence of God to get, but when we go into the presence of God, I was just thinking this week of that, that statement where it says you become like those you spend time with. When you go into the presence of God and you start to spend time with Him and you get to enjoy His presence and you know His character, it's easy to trust Him. 
And, and I think that's just a, a, an encouragement for us that we land up trusting God in His presence. I want to tell you a story of probably one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And we're going to go back to Psalm 84. But for a moment, I just want to go to 2 Samuel from verse 6 to 15. And uh, Psalm 84. While you're turning there, if you are turning there, Numbers 4, verse 15 says, And when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, as the camp sets out, after that the sons of uh, Kohath shall come to carry these, but they must not touch them, uh, not touch these holy things lest they die. So this is referring to the Ark of the Covenant and is saying they must carry it. And there were little loops in the Ark to carry it with sticks that came through and they would put it on their shoulders but they say you must not touch it lest they die so in 2 Samuel from uh, 6 from verse 5 to 15 it says and David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals and when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen had stumbled. So they were, they were carrying this thing, the oxen had stumbled, and he put his hand on the ark. Now if you go back to Numbers 4 verse 15, what's going to happen? And it says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against him, and God struck him down there because of his error, and he died there beside the ark of God. God had given instruction that you don't touch it. He touched it. And he died. So now David, they were, they were busy traveling, they were celebrating, they were singing praises, and all of a sudden, this thing unfolds before them. And in verse 8 it says, And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. And that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So all of a sudden, he had a shift in his perspective, and the celebration turned to fear. Now, I, I was busy scrolling through the TV last night, Emmanuel having taken me out surfing. I was looking at some surfing documentaries last night, and I, and I went past one that I had watched years ago, and it was called The Other Side of Fear. And that title just struck me last night, On the Other Side of Fear. And here we see David transition from the other side of fear back into the side of fear. And celebrating changed to anger and fear. And he says, surely I can't have the presence of God. The ark that has the presence, surely I can't have that come to me. So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David. He was unwilling. Something had shifted to make him unwilling to do this. Now in this documentary, this guy landed up getting injured, and it was, if I remember correctly, it was fighting back to get back into being a pro surfer, and getting beyond the injury, and getting back into the waves when he was told he shouldn't be able to surf again. He was transitioning back to the other side of fear. Why? Because he knew what was on that side. He knew the joy that came. Remember going to Nitro Circus years ago and you watch these guys do double backflips on a motorbike and they're coming down these big ramps. And I thought to myself, they must know something on the other side of fear that I don't because I'm too scared to do what they do. But they're doing it because they've realized there's something on the other side that is worth more than staying on this side. 
So David was not willing to take the ark into the city of David, but David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Now, Obed-Edom, if I had to have a character in the Bible that's my hero, it's Obed-Edom. And he's mentioned very few times, and I want to mention the times that he is mentioned today in the Word. We're going to go through that today. But the ark lands up in Obed-Edom's house, Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. So David's too scared to take this ark and transition it to the city of David. But this guy, Obed-Edom, he has to go onto the other side of fear and house the presence of God. And what happens is for three months, God just blessed Obed-Edom and his household. Because when the presence of God was in his house, something shifted. I love that. I think it's in Joshua. It says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. For this guy, he allowed the presence of God to come in. He didn't allow fear to hinder him from having the presence of God. And what happens is, news gets back to King David. So it says in verse 12, And it was told to King David, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom, and all that belongs to him, because of the ark of God, because of the presence of God. So David went and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city with rejoicing, the city of David with rejoicing. Something shifted. The revelation of the blessing on the other side of the fear all of a sudden caught David's heart and he transitioned back again. So he went from the celebrating, sees this whole encounter happen. His buddy gets struck down. He says, uh uh, this is thing scary. I'm going to pawn this off to Obed Edom. I don't want this around me. Hears of the blessing and says, oh, all of a sudden I want what he's got. So he goes and he recovers the ark. And it says, and when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of a horn. So this story is continued or told again in... uh, in 1 Chronicles from verse 13, uh, I mean 1 Chronicles 13 from verse 9 to 14. And I just want to actually, I want to skip ahead a bit uh, and go on to uh, from verse 12. And it says, And David was afraid of God that day, and he said, How can I bring the ark of God home to me? So David did not take the, the ark home into the city of David, but took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the household of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that he had. So you got the same story retold twice in the Bible. Why? Because it's significant. And, and there's this shift that happens in Obed-Edom's life that gets back to the king. So here's this guy, he gets the ark, and news of what God's done in his life travels back to the king, and the king hears of how he's being blessed. This is not David the shepherd, this is David the king of Israel. And news gets back to him. The next time we hear of Obed-Edom is in 1 Chronicles 15 verse 24. 
And it says, Shebaniah, Jehoshaphat, Nathaniel, Amasai, Zechariah, Beniah, Eleazar, the, and Eleazar the priest should blow the trumpets before the ark of God. Obed-Edom and Jehiah were to be the gatekeepers of the ark. So what do we hear about Obed-Edom? Is the next time you hear of him, you find him at the ark. The ark was removed from his house. It was taken away from where he was, back to the city of David. But he followed the ark. He followed the presence of God. You can imagine the encounter that must have happened when he turned to his family and says, Guys, they're taking the ark away. Our house cannot be the same again as what it was pre the ark coming. He was not prepared to transition back out of the presence of God. And he packed up everything and he went in pursuit of the ark. And you find that Obed-Edom was a gatekeeper of the ark. He went to go and guard the presence of God. Now, when you find out that Obed-Edom was one of the sons of Korah, and the sons of Korah were those responsible for looking after the Ark of the Covenant. Let's go back to Psalm 84. And the introduction says, To the choir master, according to the Gittith, which stems from Gittite, a psalm of the sons of Korah. So when you read the psalm from the perspective, assuming that Obed-Edom must have been one of the sons that had written the psalm, it changes our perspective on what we're reading. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. You can imagine this guy writing this psalm, having experienced the ark, the presence of God, manifest in his house. And he goes and he sits as a gatekeeper and he writes the psalm, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. Why? Because he had experienced the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house ever singing your praise. And I love the way it doesn't say blessed are those whose house you dwell in. It says blessed are those who dwell in your house. Even though his house held the presence of God, he was dwelling in the presence. The present wasn't dwelling with him. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are the highways to Zion. They go through the valley of Baca. They make it a place of springs. He's experienced the transforming power of the presence of God. He knows what it's like to be weeping and he knows what it's like to experience the place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield. O God, look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. 
For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Once you have the perspective of what happens with Obed-Edom, with the ark entering into his house, and just the transformation that comes over him and his household to the point that when the ark leaves, they leave with it. Why? Because they weren't going to be separated from the presence of God. You read the psalm with a different perspective. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. There's a couple of things that I want to take out and I just want to take from this psalm that's a byproduct of the presence of God. Like I said earlier, we don't pursue the presence for what we get, but it's good for us to be aware that stuff happens in the presence of God and being in His presence comes with the byproduct of incredible things. But how do we enter His presence? As we went through last week in Ephesians 3, Hebrews 4, Hebrews 10, with confidence. Why? Because we've got a new identity, new creations. We are children of God. So there's a couple of examples that I want to share of how my kids experience me in, in, in the presence of my household and what happens. And I want to share some of those things. But the first one is in voice two, my heart and my flesh sing for joy. We experience joy in the presence of God. The joy of the Lord is my strength. This morning we had a bit of a, a wobble with, with all, um, just one of our girls had a bit of a, a meltdown and I was very far from gracious. But Shanae walked into her room and stood with her and just spoke life over her. She said to me, you need to have more grace with her because she's going through some things and you have your moments. I saw what it's like for our daughter to experience support and grace at a time of need. And there was a shift and there was a joy that came as a result. I didn't create joy in my behavior, but Sean did. it. The second one is in verse 3. It says, even a sparrow finds a home. We get a home in the presence of God. And I love this definition. Uh, a home is the place where one lives permanently, especially as a member of a family or household. We find a home in the presence of God, and His encouragement to us is to live there permanently. In verse 4, it says, blessed. It says that actually a couple of times in this, but blessed. So we find a blessing. Now our girls, they'll walk into our room, they'll take something out of my cupboard and they'll claim it as their own. Why? Because what is mine is theirs. Because of their identity in this home, I have no ownership <laughs> of anything. It belongs to them. And they assume ownership at any given stage to the point that they will tell me it belongs to them, even though that I know it's mine. Why? Because there's a blessing in this home for them because of their identity. If anyone walks into this home and takes something that belongs to me, it's theft. If they walk into this home and take something that belongs to me, it's a blessing. Same act, different identity, and therefore the outworking is completely different. 
says in verse 7, they go from strength to strength. We find strength in the presence of God. And this for me is a significant thing. I remember um, just weeks before uh, my dad passed away. And, and I remember God taking me through a scripture in Psalm 112. And it says, a righteous man does not fear bad news. And I didn't understand it. And only after we three family members passing away in the space of four days... And God took me back to that scripture and said, I was preparing your heart because I give you strength in the midst of what you're going through. Why do you not fear bad news? Because you know me. And if I'm in this, don't worry, I've got you. Uh, we experience safety. Behold our shield. Verse 9. Safety and security. You know, sometimes it'll be the middle of the night and we'll hear our bedroom door open. And the number of times it'll be little Libby saying, Dad, I've had a bad dream. She'll often say, will you pray for me? Why? Because there's safety in our presence. We were cycling a little while ago. It was a Friday evening and we were, we were cycling out and it got dark quite quickly. And we were still out in the bush there and we traveled very slowly when the three of us went together. So just Kayla and I and Libby, we were going and... We got to a place where we hit a dead end, and it was this pathway that just ended up in nothing. So I turned around and I said, let's go back. And I started going, and I was leading the way, but it was quite dark, so you couldn't really see. And I got onto the road, and I turned around, and the girls weren't behind me. And I'm looking around, and I can't find them. And so I ride up along the road to see if maybe when I turned left on the main road, they turned right, and I can't find them. And eventually, in the distance, I could hear this hysterical screeching. Daddy! Daddy! So I go and I'm riding and up on the pathway above me in a different place that we hadn't been to, there are the two girls and they had taken a wrong turn. But they had realized that they were on their own and they were out of my presence and they panicked. And there was sheer panic and the moment they saw me they just burst into tears. Because all of a sudden, there was refuge in the fact that they had found my presence again. In that moment, I'm telling you now, their soul was longing and fainting for the presence of their father. Because they were freaked out, being isolated in a place. They didn't know where they were. They were in the middle of nowhere, and it's dark, and it's scary, and they are alone. And then they saw me, and they just burst into tears because there was a comfort from the safety of my presence. Because it's amazing how safe it is. Their circumstances hadn't changed. I was just in there with them. And their perspective was different. And then all of a sudden they rode back and they were smiling and they were laughing and they were giggling because the moment was over because they had found their safety again. Staying in verse 9, it says, Oh God, look on the face of your anointed. We receive anointing in the presence of God. And the definition of anointing is to be set, to set apart a person, a place, or a thing for divine use. To be empowered to accomplish God's work. So in the presence of God, what happens is we get our vision for what God's calling us to do. And not only does He give us the vision... But he empowers us to go and do it. Because often the vision is bigger than us. And I love, there's a number of times in the word where God gives a, a, a request of us. But preceding the request, he tells us that he's going to 
give us the ability to do it. So in John 15, it says there, by this you prove to be my disciples that you go and bear much fruit. I think, sure, what a hectic statement. It's big. I can't go and bear much fruit. It says there, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. By this you prove to be my disciples that you go and bear much fruit. So if you abide in the presence of God, you'll bear much fruit. And we prove to be his disciples by bearing fruit. There's no responsibility on us to bear fruit. The responsibility is for us to be in his presence. And he will bring about fruit as a byproduct. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Jesus is speaking about in Acts. And he gives this incredible commission. You're going to go to the ends of the earth and you're going to be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and he will empower you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He promises the power before he gives the mission. To be set apart as a personal place, a thing for divine use, to be empowered to accomplish God's work. It's amazing that our anointing comes with the capacity and the power to do what God's called us to do. Verse 11 for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. For the Lord bestows favor and honor upon us. He bestows favor and honor upon us. It's amazing to be as unworthy as we are, and yet we are honored in the kingdom for what we do that He's already done in us and through us because of the power that He's given us to accomplish what He's called us to do. And yet He still honors us for that. It doesn't make sense. But why do we receive honor? Because we are his children and we get to experience that because he's a father. I remember a day, and I've shared this story before, but I, I don't know if I've shared it with you guys, but I remember a day carrying a bed, and I was carrying a bed. Libby was about to be born. Kayla was about 18 months old, and she grabbed and she was carrying it, and she was helping me. And we all know that I carried the bed and Kayla walked next to me. But the sheer joy on her face to be a part of what I was doing. And I remember saying to her, well done, my girl, you're so strong. But we all know that I was the one that was carrying the bed. But yet, because of her involvement, she was honored as my daughter for the part that she had to play. It's amazing how God does that with us. And all of this stems from a relationship. I remember the last time I got to see my dad before he passed away, I'd flown to Joburg and he didn't know I was coming. And I remember I had a coffee with my brother and I phoned my dad and I said, where are you? He said, I'm driving just past William Nickel. I said, well, that's amazing because I'm driving on William Nickel. It was just coincidental, but I wanted to surprise him and let him know I was there. I hadn't told him I was coming. And he landed up, he was busy and he was stressed. But I remember he took the time out and he said, let's go for lunch. I said, let's go quickly grab a takeaway because I know you're under pressure. He said, no, no, you're not going to go sit down and have a lunch together. And I remember sitting in the presence of my dad eating lunch for like probably two hours. But he was under so much pressure at work, but he put it aside because he wanted to enjoy my company. I was thinking about this last night in the presence of God and seeking the presence of the Father. And I was thinking, that was the last time I got to experience my dad. And I wasn't aware at the moment. But for me, I was happy to rush it because he was under pressure. 
For him, he was happy to set aside his pressure so he didn't have to rush it. We don't seek the presence of God because what we can get. We seek the presence of God because experiencing His presence is something significant. But God is so gracious to give us a byproduct of incredible things. We get joy, home, blessing, strength, safety, anointing, favor, honor. Why? Because He loves us and He is good. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. And my encouragement this morning is let us be a people who truly see the value of dwelling in the presence of God and that we would be willing to follow that presence wherever it takes us. Whatever, it, whatever the, the expectation is for us to be in the presence of God. May we fight for it. May we contend for it. May we yearn for it. May we pack up our home and go in pursuit of it. Why? Because we know what it's like to dwell in it. I was listening to a song this morning from a, a movie called A Week Away. And the, the song is called Big House. And basically it talks about how big God's house is and how there's many rooms. And, and a lot of the words, I don't know what what you have. I don't know where you live. I don't know what you eat. I don't know if you have a safe space. I don't know if you have friends and family. But I do, and I want to tell you that in my father's house there are many rooms. In my father's house there's a table with lots of food. Come with me to my father's house. And, and I just was listening to that song this morning. and I was just thinking, not only do we have to spend our life dwelling in the presence of God, not does it have to be our permanent home. We've got to recognize that there's room enough to invite others as well. And again, I want to just encourage us to, to walk a road with the, the broken, to walk a road with the hurting, to, to, to usher them into the presence of God, knowing that when the presence of God is experienced, you cannot help but leave changed. David was rejoicing as he watched the presence move. But he was invested when he saw the fruit of someone experiencing the presence. The presence was as at a distance, and that's why David got scared, because he was never in the presence of God. He saw the presence from a distance. And then things happened, he got freaked out. But when Obed-Edom dwelt in the presence of God, he pursued it. And I just want to, for me, I want to be like Obed-Edom. And that's why he's one of my heroes in the word, because of what he does.